All right, you kick us off. Onion. Beef. Yummy. Pork. Spatula. Chewing sounds. Okay, yeah, I like this. This recipe talk is kind of new, right? Uh, or maybe not. No, that's always Which the questions that are up there. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to, for as far as cooking process, I'm going to go really, really short on that part because that is the part that I hate doing and sounds awkward to me every time I do it. Okay, that's fair enough. I'm just going to be like, here is the just the dead basics of what it is. Okay. I feel like I like going into more detail with my recipe talks. Um, that's fine, yeah. Go so for that's it. where I can expand, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, shit, should we get started? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me study the intro again, which is like two lines each. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go. I'm just going to like read this like a robot. All right, let's do it. Uh, Hey, welcome to Chewing Sounds. I'm Karen Green. I'm Tony Green. This is a brother sister cooking podcast. Each episode, we choose one dish and two different recipes, cook them and then compare and discuss. I'm oh my sorry. gosh. You oh, why did I do it like that? No, it's good. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> okay. It's just that I always screw it up. And I was nervous after so long of not recording. So I just read it verbatim. That's great. That's literally what I've been trying to get you to do for all the other episodes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and now we've done it. We just had to um, both be really rusty and yeah. take like, a four month break. And I'm your good little robot boy this time around. Good job. Hey, Tony. It's been hey, forever. Uh-huh. An extremely long gap. Extremely long. I guess I said that as if like you and I haven't been in contact in like four or five months, but that's not true. We just have not done this podcast thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since what? November? October? October. Wowza. Okay. Well. I believe so. Yep. Should we do a quick rundown of where in the heck we've been for four months? Uh, I guess so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not all that complicated. We just kind of got lazy and distracted, and then it was the holidays, and we kind of loosely planned to try to do a holiday episode, um, but that fell apart. We were both in Vegas for a while together and thought we might do it there. This is true. I even uh, packed up my microphone and dragged it across country with me. Well, yeah. Okay, wait a minute. When you say we were lazy, we were doing stuff. I mean, we went to Boston. Shout out to Lucas for getting oh, married. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lucas, shout out for getting married. No, we were a very specific type of lazy. We were podcast lazy. You're right. It's not like we yeah. just fell into I, a total despair. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I did. Sorry, but you didn't. I don't think. You did. I didn't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't lazy. I mm -hmm. we, we went to Boston. We ate lots of pasta. Lasta I pasta. moved lost the pasta. <laughs> I moved apartments. Oh yeah, yeah shit. That was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in a new place now, new kitchen, new everything. Uh yes, then we had holidays, home in Vegas. Okay, I was thinking this is kind of putting you on the spot, so you don't have to do this, but if we had to uh describe our holiday in Vegas in one word, without going into any detail whatsoever. <laughs> What do you think your word would be? Um, <clears throat> wow, I feel like I'm being cross-examined. <laughs> okay. In you a court case. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. See if maybe you'll inspire me. Well, I gave it a lot of thought and I looked up some synonyms. So I was thinking I couldn't choose between 
unspeakable. Oh my god. Or <laughs> nightmarish. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. You think it's too dramatic? <laughs> you know what? I would actually I would call it a roller coaster. I would be a little more uh charitable with it. There were there were ups and downs, there were goods and bads. Uh okay, you're right. Good lord. <laughs> I just thought we, we don't want to speak up in a crypt much. and unleash a, a pox upon the world. Well, oh, we didn't literally. Hopefully okay. not. <laughs> that's you know that's true. We did have some up up times, good times. Oof, my brain. Yeah, we got tattoos. That was a fun part. Yeah, that was fun. Of holiday Christmas. Holiday Christmas. Holiday Christmas time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I guess I thought that would just be a good transition into talking about how we're doing a holiday meal redo for this episode. Yeah, we didn't cook a holiday meal really for a podcast or otherwise. You know, um, stuff didn't got really a little... do any cooking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff got a little complicated. We didn't cook much, which sometimes when I'm visiting home, which feels a little bit like vacation, I don't feel like cooking anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm not like terribly shocked we didn't do it, but in order to make up for that, we've decided to make this podcast in March now. It is a holiday, now March. A holiday themed, a holiday recipe. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't know. It's still wintry. Hi, Turtz is just. <laughs> Turtz is Karen's cat, by the way, and she is just all up in her face between her and the microphone. She's literally just rubbing her whole body on the microphone at this point. Okay. Yeah. Let's get her off the desk there. Anywho, um, what are we talking about? We were talking about the fact that this is going to be a holiday recipe episode of this podcast. Yes, in March. Holidays in March. in March. Oh, I think what I was saying is that like, yeah, it's still wintry and cold and drab. And so I feel like extending the holiday celebration in whatever way possible is a good is a good yeah. plan. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been an absolutely insane winter in Los Angeles. We have gotten tons of rain, which is good, but I don't know if it's good in this wildly unpredictable feast or famine kind of way. But uh, yeah, it's been rainy and overcast in my my first, well, I guess my second winter in LA. And uh, yeah, it was nice to cook up some holiday stuff yesterday. And hol- by holiday, I know we're being kind of vague, but like... I think our agreement was we would do a poultry dish because that feels mm-hmm. holiday-ish. Yep. Broadly poultry as if <laughs> as if we were really going to do anything except like probably chicken, maybe. T- it, it, probably we both did chicken, right? We didn't do quail. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of course. I think There's we just no opened quail or pheasant. No. I thought about that only because they're smaller and I realized I don't like making large poultry. But anyway, yeah, of course, we were both always going to do chicken. Yeah, so, so it's poultry. poultry vegetable side dish and a dessert which at least for me is well outside my comfort zone i do not make desserts (laughs) yeah i'm very intrigued to to know what you made only because yeah you don't usually do baking of any sort that i know of and you're gluten-free so that really like yeah (laughs) yeah it means i can have like five things year round that are desserts well that makes it easy for you to choose so oh it was very easy to choose I bet you could guess within two guesses what I did for dessert, but let's just, yeah, jump into it. Yeah. You want to go first? Oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. I'll go first. (laughs) Um, For my main, I did a New York Times recipe Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, I pretty much knew immediately I was going to go ahead and roast a whole chicken because uh, mm-hmm. it's I, I just I wanted something easy. But also roast chicken is delicious. It is a million times better than turkey, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people's opinion. <laughs> I think <laughs> as a culture, we are moving away from turkey and I am fine with that. I agree. I feel like the turkey Maybe discourse these days is pretty much just like, so turkey sucks, right? Like it's too large. It's a headache to roast. It's always like dry inside. Yeah, I've never attempted to roast a turkey. Yeah. No, me neither. Not not by myself for sure. Um, yeah, I think as with most things these days, we're rethinking old traditions. We're reworking <laughs> what doesn't work, trying to. And so I made roast chicken with maple butter and rosemary. And this is going to be a real quick process to describe because it's literally just like you melt some butter with some maple syrup and rosemary. You drizzle it over your salted and peppered chicken. You mm-hmm. shove a couple sprigs of rosemary in that chicken hole and you're good to go. Oh, it's in a skillet, a cast iron skillet. Sorry, did you, you want to question the hole shoving or what? Well... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Wait, there was rosemary in the butter drizzle or no? It's just shoved so, inside the turkey? <laughs> no, sorry. I guess that was a little confusing. Um, you shove two to three sprigs into the chicken hole. Uh, you really mash it in there. You know, there's no reason to be delicate when you're talking about roasting a whole bird because it's disgusting. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Find out I also did a whole roast chicken and yeah, oh I knew God. You did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's because gross. when we were texting about it uh, just a tiny bit back and forth, I mentioned the cavity of the chicken. Yeah. With great horror. But anyway. Okay, you so you should cavity, I say hole. <laughs> Doodly doot to doot. There you go. Okay. Um Yeah, so you shove the sprigs in there and then you uh chop up like two or three teaspoons of the rosemary, and that's what you simmer in the butter and maple syrup just a little bit, like just to just to heat it up and uh infuse that what's gonna be our basting liquid a little bit with the rosemary. And then, yeah, exactly. So you you spoon it all over the chicken, you throw it in there, and then basically you're tasked with um, like spooning that liquid, because obviously most of it goes to the bottom of the pan, over the chicken every 15 minutes for about an hour for like a three-pound chicken. I got a five-pound chicken, but it was still done in like about an hour, which is great. Wow. Okay. Five-pound chicken. That's pretty, that's pretty good yeah. chicken. I just grabbed a chicken, you know, like I kind of thought they were mostly standardized, but I was like, oh, wow, this calls for a three, is it three pounds calls for a oh, three and a half pound chicken? Yeah. And I got a five pounder. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually pretty large. Yeah. My recipe called for three and a half to four pounds and I couldn't find one that was less than four pounds. So anyway. yeah, they're big boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. The main takeaway from this recipe is I do not know how you cook this without pretty well burning the shit out of the maple syrup like oh yeah because it's just do you did you bake it at uh 375 which is you know moderate ish um yeah it's on the lower side but yeah maple syrup that cast iron skillet is just gonna get super super hot um like within the first so after the first 15 minutes when I did my first basting I already had like big globs of just like burned maple syrup that I was spooning out of the bottom, not burned, but like coagulated by heat, you know, like glop that I was just slopping onto the chicken. And then when it cooks onto it, it burns the skin rather than like browns it nicely. So my finished chicken was kind of sad looking. It had big black marks on it. There was a lot of burned maple syrup in the bottom, but 
it was really, really good. <laughs> okay. Despite yeah. all of that. <laughs> yeah. I avoided some of the burnt skin pieces. And when you when I cut the chicken open after letting it rest a bit and a bunch of juice poured out and like diluted the, the burnt stuff in the bottom. And then I did wind up getting just like a bunch of buttery rosemary chicken maple syrup juice that I could spoon onto the chicken. Oh. It was freaking good, man. It was really good. Hell yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I wish I had a workaround for not burning the maple syrup. But but you didn't get like a burn taste and all the juices and whatnot. Um, I did a little bit, you know, like there were as I was spooning um, like onto the as I was spooning stuff out of the pan at the end onto my, you know, carved chicken pieces. There were like specks of black that I was kind of trying to avoid, but I couldn't really avoid. It didn't ruin it yeah. by any means, but I would love to figure out a way to avoid the burning and then it would be kind of perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if just maybe a non-cast iron, but I don't know what would be not as hot, just a glass. Yeah, non-cast iron might work. I also think maybe liquid in the bottom or like vegetables in the bottom or something so that there's not so much maple syrup just like in direct contact with the cast iron. But yeah, maybe just like a regular, just like a roasting pan would be better, you know, a ceramic one or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I'm out of my depth in trying to do (laughs) it. Yeah. We're just spitballing here. Ooh, I do love roasting vegetables and the the juices of the. I almost said turkey. We're not doing turkey, chicken. Yeah. <laughs> the poultry, the juices of the poultry. Yeah, I read that in some of the notes. Um, on the on the recipe was like you should really add vegetables to the bottom, which is something I love to do too. But I wanted to just play it by the books and do it as is. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. So, what was your vegetable? My vegetable was a serious eats recipe called roast butternut squash and Brussels sprouts with spiced honey herb dressing. Whoa. And it is exactly that. What Wait do you want? Did we do for? the same recipe? No, did we? <laughs> we oh, I thought them. about this possibility. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, yeah, this was, I feel like we were always going to do more or less like the same recipes for this. But, you know. Oh, I didn't really, I did not think you would wind up on this one. I thought this was a little more obscure, but. Well, okay. I didn't get mine from the same source, so maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here. Okay, but I also well, did do squash and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> in, so a, in like a dressing? Yeah. Oh, I shit. Know. Okay, wow. But yes, tell me more. Let's see. Yeah. So my thoughts in, in choosing this one was it's kind of like a vegetable and a, you know, a starchy dish in one because like I wasn't going to make like mashed potatoes or anything. It was, you know, we just decided on poultry and veggies. But this one has butternut squash, which feels a little heartier than just a veggie side dish so that's kind of what drew me to it and i also um i'm so damn sick of brussels sprouts and roasted squash (laughs) i eat so much of this every winter season yeah and i often went with it well i went with it because i was like i want to taste a good version again because i i often just (laughs) do a very boring version just a very like you know functional version but this is like a really fancy dressing where it's almost like um, a chimichurri, where it's like a bunch of chopped um, cilantro and dill with like a with like lemon juice and olive oil and honey, and then you toast up some spices, some like mm. cumin and mustard seeds and black peppercorns, and then grind them and whisk that in. And there's like a jalapeno in it. So I just liked yeah. it. It was like tangy. It was kind of everything the roast chicken wasn't. It's like you know complex, and there's some acidity in there. Nice. Which I think is essential for Brussels sprouts. 
the best Brussels sprouts I've ever had are all, they all have a really strong, like tangy acidic component. Okay. I can see that. This is very different actually from my recipe now that we're getting into the nuts and bolts of it. So I am intrigued. It does sound good. Uh, It was quite good. It was quite easy. Uh, One fun thing is there's a little bit of baking soda mixed in with it. Um, Just a tiny bit, which is supposed to crisp up the Brussels sprout leaves. Uh, more mm-hmm. quickly and also soften the squash a bit. Oh. Uh, I apparently did not need help with that because I I nearly burned the veggies. I got them out just in time. I, <laughs> oh. I think maybe my oven runs a little hot or something, and maybe that's maybe that's an issue that that could have affected the chicken as well. Oh yeah, possibly, or maybe yeah. it's just the bottom of your oven gets so hot. Yeah, could be that too. Could have been too close to the little uh, heat heat rope at the bottom. <laughs> The flaming heat rope. Yeah, the flaming heat rope. Um, so yeah, it's not a simple recipe, but it was very good. Um, uh, they did come out crispy. The Brussels sprouts, the squash was soft. I don't know. It's pretty okay. much always soft. So wait, do you you put the dressing on them before you roast them? No, sorry, it's afterwards. So you roast them oh, okay. um, with a little bit of cumin and salt and pepper and olive oil and then after they're out or you know while they're roasting you you mix up your dressing and then you put the the dressing on it mm-hmm. i had two um slight calamities which was i bought a serrano pepper to put into it but i bought just one tiny serrano pepper which is like you know the size of an index finger and i just lost <laughs> it at some point it's just gone <laughs> i don't oh, know no. at what point i lost it because i swear i remember ringing it up and then yeah. it maybe just like you know I was at one of those self-checkout things and it just disappeared between there and my home. Okay. Hopefully it's not just like wedged into your car somewhere or something. <laughs> oh, it might be. Yeah, absolutely could be. <laughs> and I'll never look for it. I thought about that too. I was like, my thought process was, I wonder if I dropped it in my car. Hmm. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm not no going to go look for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, like a parent at some point. <laughs> or not, you know, it's like, I'm not, yeah. fine either way. It might just become a dried chili and I'll never even notice it. Oh, yeah, true. So I forgot that. I also, my brain just like got, like wires got crossed and I just, I only wrote down whole cumin to toast and grind and I didn't write down whole coriander. And I don't know, I I can't say that I really missed it. But when I found that out, I had that like, I had a real FOMO feeling of like, oh God, what is this going to be without the coriander? And I don't know. It was still good. Still fine. Sure. Yeah. I can't even really think what coriander tastes like at the moment or like what it would add. I mean, coriander is just cilantro, but yeah, and it's like dried Uh, seed form. Oh. Oh, I feel like I can think of what it is because it's the seed pod that you get in that hot yai chicken in Portland where it's like baked into the breading and you bite into it and you're like, oh, holy shit. Oh, yeah, you get a whole piece. You hated that when you bite into a whole piece of coriander. when you bite into a whole coriander (laughs) pod. It sucks. I don't know why people do that. It's too intense. I don't know why they did that at Hot Yai because everything else is like immaculate. Yeah, I really don't understand why they put the whole coriander seeds in there. Grind it up. It's a great flavor. But when you're biting into it, it's like biting into a peppercorn. It's just way too intense, in my opinion. Obviously, people love that place and it's great. So, yeah. Hmm. I kind of want you to to do your your poultry insides and then we'll do dessert together. Does that sound okay? Okay, sure. Just like a meal. well, okay, let's see. So I, yes, I also did a whole roasted chicken, but I used the buttermilk marinated roast chicken from Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Oh, snaps. 
Yeah, which, uh, you know, just another one of those recipes that I had like heard about enough that it was just kind of wedged in my brain. And I was like, oh, I got to try that out. Um, I had never, ever made an entire roast chicken. I mean, I don't even really like cooking meat very much, even though this is a meat heavy podcast. Um, but I will say that I hated every step of the process like so much I honestly don't even know if I could ever do it again like oh wow I I don't know if there's just something like wrong right, with walk me brain. through this unspeakable nightmarish process oh my gosh I feel like I'm gonna sound like a crazy person because okay I will start off by saying like do you remember I think I was in like high school when I was like vegetarian for two years oh yeah yeah I remember that thing okay the thing that made me vegetarian, I swear, this is my memory, is that I saw mom cooking like a whole turkey and I saw just like the innards and like the bloody bits and like the yeah. bone cut through. At you. It, it, yeah, I could just see it. I just feel like if a meat still looks too much like the animal, like an entire turkey or an entire chicken, I just, it affects me as if I'm like, all I could think when I was holding this like four pound chicken was like, this feels like holding a baby. <laughs> oh my God. I was going to say, I was, I didn't want to cut you off, but as soon as you said holding, I imagined you swaddling it, like cradling it in your arms. I don't know why, but when you say holding the chicken, I was like, oh God, was she singing to it and mourning it? Tony, I really think my brain is broken because when I was like preparing it, I mean, just like I think you have to you have to cut off the little wing tips at first and like rub it in salt and everything. And I was like holding this thing and I was like apologizing to it in my brain because I'm just like, I'm so sorry, whole chicken. And like I can still when I think about it now, it's still giving me like flashbacks. Like I can feel it in my hands thinking like this is like holding a little naked baby and I feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, I I think on some level that is a very reasonable reaction. I you know, I had it like slapped down on some paper towels over my cutting board and like to flip it over, I just grabbed its little leg and like yeah. hauled the whole thing up and flipped it over. And I was like, oh yeah, that felt wrong. It's so this brutal. is such a carcass. This is such a creature. I, a I, I have trouble with it too. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not just like an insane person, but I guess that's because like, yeah, it's like this four pound, my bird was like four pounds and just skinned little bird i don't know i just felt bad yeah. for it is all it is kind of um, as close as like the casual chef gets to seeing the actual animal before it was killed is like yeah this just any feathered carcass yeah i mean i can cook like parts you know chicken breasts and stuff but the whole thing i just don't know if i could do it again okay because also <laughs> i will say this recipe was great and the end it was perfect but like soaking okay so first you you get the whole bird you rub salt all over it and you let it sit for like 30 minutes and then you get like two cups of buttermilk with more salt in it and the recipe says to like put the chicken in a freezer bag and then dump the buttermilk into the freezer bag and then you like try and suck the air out and you let it uh marinate for 24 hours and just picture if you will an entire chicken in a freezer bag full of buttermilk on a plate. Like it is just one of the grossest things. Oh, you can yeah. imagine. It's so <laughs> it's, weird. It's actually doing it for me. That sounds fucking delicious. <laughs> plate it up for me right now. <laughs> yeah. It is quite hideous. 
uh, it's really nothing like it. Yeah, no, that's a sad funeral. <laughs> yeah, I love that um, the instructions even say, oh, where is it? It's like, so when you put the buttermilk in the freezer bag, seal it, squish the buttermilk all around the chicken, place on a rim plate and refrigerate. <laughs> Just squish it all around. Yeah, get in there. Oh, man. But anyway, so after all that, after 24 hours, um, you have to take the entire baby chicken and just try to like scrape off as much buttermilk as you can. The book says to scrape it off without being obsessive, which I appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Try to scrape it off without singing lullabies to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a baby. It is just a chicken. (laughs) Even though it kind of feels like holding a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So then you roast it. You start off at 425 and then it really does in the instructions it says that it just starts like crackling right away. It starts like sizzling, um, which is true. I like that these instructions are like very detailed because it tells you. So you tie the little legs together with twine, which is also just an awful feeling. Um, But then you orient it so that the legs are pointed to the back left corner of the oven because that's the hottest part of the oven. And then after 30 minutes, I don't know. That's just what the book says. The back left. And then after 30 minutes, you Holy kinda, shit, dude. Yeah, this is changing your life, right? So then you rotate it so that the legs are facing the back right corner of the oven. Because that's still, I guess, the back of the oven is the hottest part. Okay, so left or right maybe doesn't necessarily... doesn't probably matter if you go right to left or left to right. I don't think so. Although I do remember in my last little oven when I was cooking macarons which are just like very sensitive to heat there would be maybe it was the back right corner where they would always like bubble up too much and i could tell like oh that's the hottest part of my oven dude so this is some raiders of the lost ark shit this is crazy yeah it's very detailed so anyway you gotta like switch the bird halfway through so the feet are pointing from one back corner and then the other back corner um there's no basting which i appreciated like you really just let it sit in the oven for an hour um, and then it says to like cut through one of the legs, you know, to see if the juices run clear. But I just poked it with my little heat thermometer and it was well over 165 or whatever at the end, which is the safe yeah. poultry temperature. Um, yeah. And it, it looked freaking perfect, like just golden brown and crispy and like beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it was perfect. Like, honestly, no notes. I think it's pretty foolproof because, like, if I could do it perfectly the first try. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so wait could. a second. It's just salt, pepper, buttermilk? Yeah. And not even pepper. It's just salt. Salt, buttermilk. And then buttermilk and salt mixture. So buttermilk is slightly acidic. And is that part of the, the process that's happening to it as it marinades in there? Is it's breaking it down a bit? Yes, exactly. So the buttermilk acidity is, like breaking it down a bit, but then there's also quite a bit of sugar in buttermilk, which is what makes it nice golden brown and like that crispy skin, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's like a dry brine sort of. Yeah, basically. It's like a mid dry wet brine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how long do you let it marinate in the, in the buttermilk for? I forgot if you said that. Uh, it's like 24 hours. So you, yeah, you let it rest overnight and then you take it out an hour before you're going to cook it just to let it get up to more room temperature. And then you just roast it. Um, this one did say a cast iron skillet as well. And I was lucky enough that my roommate, I have roommates now, uh, 
had a big cast iron skillet that I just roasted it in. It was great. Yeah, you're li- yeah, because you have a little like eight or ten inch one, huh? Yeah, it may have fit, but yeah, it says uh, well, mine's maybe like nine inch. Yeah, my roommate had a ten inch one, which is what the recipe calls for. So, gotcha. Perfect. I mean, but yeah, it is interesting that like there's no other spices or flavor or anything. It's just salt and buttermilk, and it's great. <laughs> That's radical, dude. I mean, you could make a little side gravy while it's cooking if you wanted to, but it sounds really good. And yeah, foolproof, like you said, which I thought mine was going to be, but turned out, I turned it out to be more of a fool than they had accounted <laughs> for, I guess. Yeah. Could have been your oven salt. Um, yeah. But yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So you just carved that bad boy off and it's just delicious and yeah. moist. Well, yeah, the nice thing was that I let it, you know, rest uh, for a while after I pulled it out of the oven. And then in the meantime, I was making, <laughs> this is where I thought we had made the same recipe is because also from salt, fat, acid, heat, I did the roast butternut squash and Brussels sprouts in agrodolce. Oh, a word I... I know, but I don't know what it is. Okay. I don't think I had ever heard it before. And I guess it's maybe, well... You use, so basically you roast the butternut squash and the Brussels sprouts, um, you know, just the normal way of, you coat them in olive oil and then like salt. Um, And then while those are roasting, you mix red onions, thinly sliced red onions with some red wine vinegar and let those like macerate for 20 minutes. And then you mix all that with, I guess this is the agridulce part, sugar, red chili flakes, garlic clove. Uh, and more like oil and then you can garnish the whole thing with fresh mint leaves which you know I know how you feel about mint so yeah you can leave that off but like this whole thing was super flavorful because yeah you just mix the roasted veggies which like I swear I, I have not perfected my roasting of veggies even though I do it a lot too like I eat roasted Brussels sprouts quite often and I always feel like they either don't get browned enough or they're too soft or I don't know these turned out like a little too soft the butternut squash was my fault because I decided I would just throw them in with their turkey even though it was a lower heat it was like 400 degrees when it says they should be cooked at 425 so the squash did not get like browned at all they just got kind of mushy yeah well they were in like the liquid from the chicken as well no I mean like I just they were on their own pan but I put them in the same oven as the turkey oh I see I see yeah even though the temperature was a little lower because I was like well I just want this all to be like ready at the same time so I made an executive decision to have slightly mushier butternut squash anyway you know what I will say about my recipe is that I think that baking soda really did a number for like the browning for the you know the Maillard reaction or whatever it's called because like I I can almost never get crispy uh, squash, like you said, but dude, yeah. it was like, it had a nice little brown on the bottom of it. So you just put the baking, so baking soda, right? Yeah. Baking soda. It was like, on it's first. a tiny amount. It's like an okay. eighth of a teaspoon that you mix in along with your olive oil and whatever else you're dressing, you know, the oh. veggies in before you roast them. Yeah. And yeah, it just helps them brown a little bit. And it really Ooh. did work really well. I mean, I, I would need to experiment with it a little more to tell how much effect it really had. Yeah. No, I need to try that too because that, yeah, that's always my thing. I don't know how to get roasted veggies like browned on the bottom without them being mushy or overdone or anything. So 
Yeah. Well, they were also machine overdone, but <laughs> I think I could like perfect it. I think it's worth uh, experimenting with the baking soda. Yeah, but the brownness is the most like really important part because that's where you get all the yeah, flavor. Yeah, especially with squash because squash is just like kind of boring if it doesn't have any browning on it. Yeah. And that's always how it turns out for me, which is why I was pretty pleased with this one. Oh, excellent. Well, that is where like this recipe is nice because once you mix all the vegetables with this like sauce and the um, kind of pickled, just like lightly pickled onions, and then you have like the sweetness uh, of the sugar and then the chili flakes and like, yeah, it was all just like super good. And it kind of worked. It worked well with the chicken. Like I just kind of ate everything together. Yeah. So, yeah. That sounds awesome. I, I won't I can't say that mine went super well together. They were a little mm-hmm. too opposing, maybe. <laughs> that was my idea, yeah. but I don't know that there wasn't like a lot of synergy between the maple butter chicken and the uh, you know, the herby like tangy vegetables. But they were both really good on their own. But yours yeah. yours kind of worked in concert a little more. Yeah, they worked well together. They definitely yeah. in the book, uh, there's some other recipe that she says to pair with the roast chicken and everything but i was like ah, i'm gonna make this squash and butternut and uh, brussels sprouts because it seemed more holiday-ish and yeah, yeah. they're great other than yeah figuring out i guess just cooking the vegetables at a higher temp or something other than that everything was amazing and again pretty foolproof because simple and i didn't mess anything up too bad so yeah okay yeah. um do you want to talk about cleanup and rating for both those dishes, which I forgot to do? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, as far as like, would we make these again? Clean up. How do you feel about yours? Um, I would definitely make them again. I need to I need to figure out what's going on with my oven or my, I don't know, whatever caused the chicken to burn was a real bummer. I need to figure that out, but I guess I would definitely try it again because this this recipe has really superlative reviews. Uh, people love it, so there's got to be a way around it. Nice. Um, cleanup, gosh. Kind of depends on how much of a mess you like to make with your whole chicken and how fastidious <laughs> how you are about cleaning like up afterwards. Yeah. I might have made this exact joke before, but I swear when our mother cooked raw chicken when we were kids, it was like she treated it like Dexter when he like murdered someone would just like cover the entire kitchen in like plastic and then like ball like, everything up and throw suit? it into the ocean. Like, yeah. Yeah. She was exactly. very, very careful about it. She would bleach everything afterward. We had to I fumigate have... the kitchen after every yeah, exactly. chicken Yeah, exactly. We had to move out for a month after every chicken meal. I yeah. don't do that. I just use, you know, hot water and soap. I, I'm not, I'm pretty lackadaisical <laughs> with it. I've never gotten sick. So things have worked yeah. in my favor so far, but I, it was pretty easy. You know, it all just goes into a cast iron. I give it a four out of five on dishes, which is good. And uh, I guess I'd give it a four out of five overall, even though I screwed it up a bit. Okay. Yeah. Because it seems like a screw up that you could fix you kind of know what you would do differently next time yeah and even after screwing up it was good so yeah there you go yeah man i love it yeah as far as would i make this recipe again um if somebody else (laughs) wants to make it (laughs) i just i hate handling a whole chicken i hate putting it in a bag with milk so gross uh and then you have to like dump the bag of buttermilk and chicken juices (laughs) like into the sink afterwards just 
It's yeah, that's horrendous. pretty rough. If somebody else wants to make this recipe, I highly recommend it, and I will definitely partake. Um, the vegetables I will 100% make again because that sauce uh, was super good and easy. I actually just want to like – so I had leftover onions after all this because um, you only put – it says to put like half of the onion and marinade mix on the vegetables and then like add more to taste. And I was just using those pickled onions and st- on like everything for like a week after. I put them on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> So I just feel like I just want to have those like all the time on hand. Um, Cleanup was fine. I mean, it's a little, yeah, it is kind of like the raw poultry cleanup, which I don't like bleach stuff either. I mean, I make sure I'm not like using the same knives and dishes as that I did on raw chicken on like anything else, you know? Yeah, sure. Sequestered. We do that as well. Yeah. You sequestered a little bit and then I just washed up with soap and water. So. fine yeah um i don't think i would make the vegetables again they were good Mm. but like i said it's a little bit like a chimichurri which means a lot of washing and rinsing and chopping Mm. uh herbs cilantro and dill which is just a lot of damn work and i it always takes me a long time i'm a pretty fast chopper with that kind of stuff but like just the picking of the leaves and the the it's just too much prep for me it tasted pretty good it turned out really well but yeah it, I wind up just using a lot of dishes for all this stuff too. And it's, yeah, it's a little more laborious than I would want. Okay. More of a special occasion recipe. And maybe even then yeah. you're like, eh, okay. Have you tried, because yeah, I, I do know it does take you a while to chop up like herbs and stuff. Have you ever used any of those tricks where, you know, I'll see videos of people with herbs, like pull them through holes on a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Colander or something to like. Oh yeah. Okay pull the leaves off faster do you ever do that i always feel like no but i know what you're talking about yeah i always feel like putting the little stems into the holes takes just as much time to like pull them through as like chopping it all i don't know i've seen like i've seen specialized little tools that are literally just like plastic things with holes that you pull herbs through and yeah it doesn't seem like it cuts off that much time it's just laborious when you have to you know, and I wasn't being that careful. I kept like a lot of the cilantro stems, you know, it says to like keep the tender stems. So it's like, you just take the big ones off, but yeah. I don't know, just, and you're also like toasting and grinding herbs in a, you know, in a, or not uh, herbs, like the spices, like the whole spices in a mortar and pestle. So yeah. it's just a classic series seeds recipe where there's like 10 <laughs> steps and like it did turn out good, but I probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah, totally. That does remind me that for my, the marinade or the sauce for the vegetables it tells you to like cut up or to like fine chop garlic or to like mash it and they use my mortar and pestle for that mostly because my mortar and pestle is still new and like (laughs) i just want to use it for stuff so that was pretty fun yeah but i did have to wash that as well Mm, yeah i like grinding up or or, uh, um spices in there because it's really easy (laughs) yeah also i already told you this but i'm so excited for uh i've been looking for a full-size food processor and i found one for ten dollars at a thrift store that works. Oh man, you did tell me about this. I still can't believe it works. I know, I'm so excited. I made the guy at the counter, cause it was like a little thrift store and there was no one else there. So I was like, can you plug this in and see if it works? And we did and I was just like, are you sure this is $10? I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Damn. very excited yeah, for that. Yeah, you gotta assume it's like haunted or something, right? Oh yeah. I thought I was just gonna like clunk a few times and then explode or something but no (laughs) start bleeding or something yeah it works it doesn't smell funny i washed it thoroughly it's beautiful man so 
Yeah. What a success story. I know. I'm so excited. All right. Enough with all this bullshit. Let's talk dessert. Dessert. Okay. I'm. Should I try and guess what you made? Because I honestly have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, you won't be surprised when you find out, but I thought maybe you might have a guess. Go ahead. Give me a okay. couple guesses. Gluten-free. Why am I just, like, literally the only thing I can think is, like, macaron, and I know you didn't make that, so. <laughs> just because you can't think of any gluten-free desserts. I will tell you this is a naturally gluten-free dessert. I did not have to go out of my way. I know. That's why. But I'm just blanking because all of my favorite desserts are full of gluten, so. Yeah, wow. Yeah, just, what did you make? <laughs> tell me. You just me. can't even imagine how other people live. I can't imagine. Uh, it's a little-known dish called creme brulee. Oh, Joy. Okay, I almost said flan, or like it occurred to me flan, but I was like, that's not right either. Well, yeah, it would have been close. Okay, this you is another New York Times cool. recipe. I made creme brulee, baby. <laughs> um, I think as I mentioned to you on the phone, I had to buy so much shit to make this <laughs> to make this meal because like my kitchen ah, yes. is still poorly stocked. I had to buy ramekins. I had to buy the torch to brulee the sugar. I had to buy a little. I had to buy a little. Just a roasting pan, just to put the ramekins in with the water to to steam the oh, custard. Oh, you have you know? to. What is that called? Ben Marie. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ben Marie. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> a little Marie bath. Yep. Um, yeah. So this is a New York Times recipe as well. Um, I knew from the get go I was going to make creme brulee. I love creme brulee, and uh, our mom, when we were back uh, in Vegas at her home for the holidays, bought like a huge Costco pack of little individually wrapped um, creme brulees, like in their glass ramekins with little sugar packets you put on top and you brulee. And so she bought a torch and I was like, damn, this is good. It was pretty yeah. good. I got to do one and it's so fun to brulee yeah. it. Super fun to torch. The torches are also <laughs> cheap. Like I, I don't know what a good one is, but you know, I got mine for like 13 bucks on Amazon. I'm sure you can get a much nicer one and, uh, but you don't have to. So this is, you know, it's five stars. It's almost 5,000 reviews. It's just a basic vanilla creme brulee. And uh, boy, you want to talk about foolproof. This thing is, mm. is super foolproof. Wow, okay. <laughs> there's literally like, there's, there's notes on here from people who are like, I'm 12 and <laughs> I made this for my class and everybody loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's so it easy it was a wizard it was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's i just had no idea it was this simple really like it's just Dude, this is you know my mind. i just thought it was like one of those super fancy french desserts that us nah, dude. couldn't even <laughs> attempt they want you to think that <laughs> those french those freaking french so it's just yeah <laughs> i got heavy cream i got a vanilla bean which by the way you want to guess how much a single vanilla bean costs Oh, God. It's got to be like $4. $8. Shut up. A single vanilla bean? <laughs> a single vanilla bean. It's a whole pod, you know. Oh, my but God. But, man, it came in a little plastic tube. When I uncorked that thing and smelled it, dude, holy shh. Holy crap. It smells so good. <laughs> yeah. And, you, dude, you have to get the vanilla bean for this. Like, I, I cannot oh, sure. fathom using um, vanilla extract for something like this. Because – sure. You know, like That's I said, it's easy, but flavor, right? it's like, yeah, it's just vanilla and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you do a little bit of salt, your vanilla bean with the cream. Um, you just heat it a little bit, basically to steep the uh, vanilla into the cream. 
you beat your egg yolks with uh, your sugar, five egg yolks, half cup of sugar. I cut this in half, by the way, because uh, I did not need to make four of them for one person. <laughs> sure. And I didn't want to buy four ramekins either. So yeah, um, you get your cream, you beat up your eggs and sugar, uh, you kind of mix them like a little bit of cream into the yolk just to like liquefy it a little bit more, mix it back into the cream, pour it into your ramekin. Do you separate uh, the egg yolks or no, you use the whole thing? Oh, no, yeah, egg yolks, just the yolks. Just the yolks, okay. Yeah, so yeah. that was fun. I actually, I don't know that I've ever even done that for a recipe. <laughs> that is, yeah, I do like, because I've done custard before with, yeah, just egg yolks. And that is yeah, it's fun. <laughs> you know, I just like, I just mimicked what I have seen on Great British Bake Off. I just broke it in half and transferred the yolk back and forth between the two shell halves until there was no more white. <laughs> it was great. It is really fun. Do you remember that? Um, like such mom, a pro. Yeah, mom has a little plastic, like, yolk separator yes the yellow thing yeah and you put the whole egg in there yeah you just crack it and it only has enough i don't know how to describe it it's like a suspended little cup within this thing that so it only captures the yolk and the yeah so there's a little circular part and then it's connected by little plastic prongs to a larger circle and so as the egg falls through it the white goes through the holes in the side of the little cup and the yolk just yeah. falls right onto this little platform and then you've got just the yolk. I forgot yeah. about that. That's it's crazy. It's so wonderful. Like, I think I just I thought of that because I never, I think when I saw it at home or like when I was a kid, I was like, what the heck is this thing? And now that I've actually separated yolks, I'm like, that thing is brilliant. And I've never seen that anywhere else except mom's kitchen. So yeah, I feel like it's just, I feel like it's from like the seventies too. It's, it's just like an old kitchen staple that people used to use. I know. It's also brilliant because it has a little hook that you can just put it over bowls and it'll like stay in place. You know what I mean? Wow. I like never everything about, about that, that tool right. is just perfection and it's so well designed. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> that's true. They really perfected it. Yeah. They got it in one. Yeah. So yeah, once you've got your, uh, everything all mixed together, you pour it into your ramekins. Um, you put those into a baking dish, pour boiling water into the baking dish, your bon marie. Uh, yeah. Cook it for 30 to 40 minutes at 325. I read some crazy notes that were like, you never cook creme brulee above 200 degrees. This is crazy. But like I cross-checked it with other recipes and they were all like, yeah, dude, 325. And it- Sure. I, 200. I, I know. For like an hour and a half, two hours, I don't even know. But yeah, it was done in like yeah. 35 minutes. Awesome. A little hard to tell when it's done, you know, because they tell you like it can't be liquid in the middle, but it has to wobble. Yeah. And I could swear when I poked it, it seemed liquidy in the middle. Hmm. But my man's serious eats came through with the the temperature to check it at, which I love about them. They very often will give you like a temperature to check things that are not meat, you know, to like fail safe them. So they said it was like 170 to 180 um, Fahrenheit, you know, in the middle of your custard is what you're looking for. I was about to put it back in when I found that and then I tested it and they were like at 175. So I took them out. Perfect. You refrigerate them for a few hours. Throw the sugar on there, brulee it. <laughs> Karen, this just like that. This creme brulee, dude. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. It's like one it. of the best things I've ever eaten. I seriously like <laughs> wow. quivered when I had it. It was like <laughs> I was like a shiver oh, went no. down your spine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was oh my god, it's so, so, so good. Wow, you're gonna become a dessert person again. <laughs> This is going to be like when I got on a crepe kick and I would make crepes with <laughs> Nutella and banana for like months at a time. It's like the only dessert I would have. 
man. Dude, it, it is really life-changingly good. That vanilla bean is just doing so much work in there. Oh I was gosh. like, I tried it and I was like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? Like, <laughs> morally? <laughs> or like, did I use... too good. <laughs> yeah, was I not supposed to use heavy whipping cream? Was I supposed to use something else? This is almost too rich and delicious. Because I also <laughs> don't have like a strong sweet tooth. Like I like, you know coffee flavored desserts and like dark chocolate and stuff things that are just mm-hmm. straight up sweet i don't crave that much anymore but holy lord <laughs> wow it's just a game changer man yeah i've never seen you so enthusiastic about a dessert well not in a long long time that's very i mean exciting. i like creme brulee and i'm sure i've had it this good before but it was like i was having it for the first time it was just amazing yeah wonderful i think it maybe just speaks to the fact that there's so many bad and half-assed desserts out there and especially these ones that like you never really make at home you don't really know realize sometimes like how good they can be (laughs) yeah (sighs) all right well no more grocery store creme brulee for you hell no well maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah in a pinch so Um, yeah five out of five everything six out of five ten out of five this stuff's amazing oh man that's great yeah, I, like all I need to find. Meals. I need to find like a black market vanilla bean dealer though, because I cannot pay eight dollars a pop for these mother effers. Oh my gosh, I was just thinking, like, where would you find more reasonably priced vanilla beans? Maybe at like a Mexican grocery store. Maybe yeah, maybe like an international place. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, because I bought it at like Sprouts, which is you know kind of, oh, yeah. kind of expensive. Oof. Plus everything's just expensive right now, but yeah. Hmm. All right. Beat that. That was very exciting. Oh, man. I feel like mine is going to be kind of lackluster at the moment. But I, I think when we were, I don't know if we actually decided this, but for whatever reason, I was thinking with making dessert that I wanted it to just be like single serving. Um, I don't know, because it was just a, a one person solo <laughs> holiday dinner. Um, but I decided to make a chocolate mug cake. Um, mostly based on the fact that like, this is something that I used to make in college all the time. Uh, I think probably because I was, I had like some unhealthy, uh, diet culture in my brain where I was just like, oh, I can't ever have like keep desserts around the house because then I'll eat them. Or like, I can't have big yeah. desserts. You have to have whatever. a skinny, licious mug chocolate dessert. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It was probably called like a skinny bitch chocolate cake or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I remember making this in college. Well, the other thing is that like you have to make this with a microwave and I haven't had a microwave in like 10 years. <laughs> and now uh, that I yeah. now that I've moved and I finally have a microwave again, I was like, I had to make this cake because I remember making it in college and you just take um, obviously like small amounts of everything and you mix it up in a in a coffee mug and put it in the microwave. And I definitely remember putting just like a glob of Nutella in mine when I made them in college. So it would just be... Yeah. Um, What's that called when you when you have something like runny? Molten inside of a cake? It's kind of like a molten little yeah, chocolate. Dangerous? Mug cake. <laughs> no, what's the term? Uh, lava? Yeah, like kind of like a lava cake. cake. Yeah. Anyway, so obviously I don't remember what recipe I actually used back in college. Um, so I just used the New York Times. New York Times. And they have exactly one chocolate mug cake recipe. And, you know, the like description is like there's a hundred million results for chocolate mug cake but this one is the best um 
in, it's definitely different than the one I made in college because I don't think the one I made in college used an egg, but this one is butter, egg, vanilla extract, granulated sugar, cocoa powder, salt, and then you can add chocolate chips, optional. Um, Wait, there's no flour in it? There's no flour, which I also It's kind of like a custard then. Yeah. So this is my thing. I remember the one I made in college. I think it did have flour and I don't think it had an egg. And I remember it being a little bit more dense and sort of brownie consistency. So this one, the New York Times one, I found it to be just slightly rubbery, like not bad. I mean, it was still delicious, but it's more airy, but then also slightly rubbery. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I mean, that kind of makes sense because you're microwaving an egg. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. You kind of made the dirtbag version of my dessert. (laughs) I guess so. <laughs> some custard, motherfucker. And I made it. I bon yeah, mine. That's exactly what I did. And a vanilla bean into it. Well, you know what? It only took me like three minutes to make this thing, so. Yeah, all right. As easy as mine was, it did take quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one is like, you put the, basically you mix the wet ingredients. I mean, it's just like making a cake, but you're doing it in a little mug, which I I do like tiny things. So <laughs> this is it's kind of It's very cute, yeah. It is very cute. Uh, you do the butter and the egg mix them together and then you add the sugar cocoa powder and salt and then i did sprinkle some chocolate chips on top you microwave it for like a minute minute and a half um and then you can put a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top which i did oh you should you have yes. to honestly i don't think you can eat this any other way <laughs> wow okay so, so texture not great but otherwise texture not great flavor amazing ice cream on top brilliant chocolate chips life-changing <laughs> chocolate chips life-changing <laughs> yeah so yeah i would say that all in all this holiday meal was really redeemed like this is this was banging i loved it yeah mine was good too i i i kind my the theme of mine seemed to be burning things because like <laughs> using the brand new brulee torch um yeah. this one has like uh intensity settings for the flame which i wasn't used to that thing comes out galloping i burnt the shit out of the sugar in just one corner but the rest of it was good but i like i kind of burned every dish (laughs) yeah yeah like i burned the vegetables a little bit burned the chicken a lot burned the creme brulee a little bit so yeah i was uh i just my smoke detector definitely does not work in this apartment i just imagine you going around your apartment just kind of like seeing what you can torch just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) can i torch just (laughs) melting my blinds a little bit in one corner (laughs) Just a tiny little bit, just to test it. It's very tempting, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yes, you should get a working smoke detector. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what okay. the ornamental one on my wall is, but I do not think it works. Because it was <laughs> like a fucking sauna in here with smoke. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. You and I were talking in a kind of our pre-record about how we both feel a little bit like garbage today. Like you drank some wine. I drank a little bit of wine, which I don't usually do alone mm-hmm. at home, but it was a fancy meal. So I was like, sure. But I'm thinking actually that what I'm feeling is like a creme brulee hangover. <laughs> like, oh, you know, you did all your stuff last night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. I did everything okay. last night. I forgot to mention, but yeah. like when you do psychedelics, it depletes your body of like serotonin, I think. <laughs> so you, you feel awful the next day. That's what I feel like the creme brulee did to my body. I like, I don't have any chemicals. Yeah. That I have no more like happy chemicals in my body after eating the creme brulee last night. Wow. That is both 
a little sad and also very high praise for this creme brulee. <laughs> like, it's basically it a drug. <laughs> I mean, I was very tired and hungry too when I ate last night. So, you know, yeah. it boosted things a little bit, but dude, it was so good. Nice. Man, go us. So next holiday, which, what are we going to make? We're going to have to like combine all these things. I don't know. I'll we'll figure it out. We got a yeah, lot of good but, options. Yeah, we've got some good starters to to use or to modify slightly. I don't know. Yeah. Karen, it's time for Tony's Quiz Corner, but are you ready? Quiz Corner! I am ready, despite my brain feeling a little bit mushy, because I did have some wines last night. Yeah. Um, I also, okay, sorry, off topic, but I did watch Triangle of Sadness, and when we were talking about fine dining, <laughs> there's a scene with fine dining so the whole story takes place on like this very fancy cruise like on a yacht yeah and at one point they hit turbulence while they're like having all these like fine dining dishes and it is kind of brilliant anyway also kind of hard to watch okay say that (laughs) all right no spoilers for triangle of sadness (laughs) no spoilers but it's pretty fun movie so everyone watch it and then report back on the fine dining scene radical okay sweet you're getting all sorts of recommendations on this podcast today I got four months of recommendations just built up. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm so ready for Tony's Quiz Corner. All right. I'm going to take you on a tour of the world's holiday foods, Karen. Oh, cool. It's going to be great. I'm excited. And let's just, <laughs> let's tarry no further. Let's get into it. <sighs> Question number one. In England, what food and drink pairing are traditionally left for Santa or Father Christmas, as they call him? (laughs) A, spotted dick in a pint of ale. Oh, shut up. (laughs) B, mince pie and a small glass of sherry. (laughs) Okay. C, kidney pudding and a snifter of bean juice. (laughs) Can't pay attention to anything you're saying. Do a Cockney accent. (laughs) D, Jelly nails in the mug of warm crab. Jesus. I can't understand. Those were the terrible. next one, like Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I have to start back from the beginning because I only have four. Spotted okay. dick in the pint of ale. Is that Queen Elizabeth? That was terrible. Uh, that was pretty good. Oh, thank you. Okay. okay. All right. I'll say them again without my shitty accents. Um, <laughs> okay. A, spotted dick and a pint of ale. Mm-hmm. B, Mince pie and a small glass of sherry. Mm-hmm. C, kidney pudding and a snifter of bean juice, which is the juice that beans cook in. No. Or D, jelly deals in a mug of warm cream. That one I can't say without the accent. <laughs> jelly deals? Jellied eels. Oh That's a real food. God. That's a real food. I didn't make it up. They eat it there. No. Jellied eels and a mug of warm cream. Are they which, trying to kill Santa? Are they anti-Santa Claus? <laughs> which of these dishes are they cursing Father Christmas with having to consume? <laughs> Boy, I'm really stuck because I was going to choose the one that didn't include booze, but I guess it is the UK. So maybe the one with the sherry? What was that one again? B, mince pie and a small glass of sherry. All right, I'm going to go with that one. You got it. I got it! <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> yes minced pie what is spotted dick is that a real thing it does sound like <laughs> yeah, a real uk spotted dish <laughs> dick is uh what is it it's like one of their like dessert pudding things with custard on top but i can never remember what it is either because it could easily be like blood pudding and beans or whatever you know yeah so wait it's that a title thing? doesn't tell me anything yeah yeah it's a dessert 
Ugh, why? Why would you name it that? The British are bad at naming things. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> yeah. They're good at naming some things <laughs> and not others. Yeah, that's that's a nothing statement, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure right. there's some story on the Wait. title, but... Mince pie, that's also a sweet dish, right? Well, mince pie... Yeah, I think mince pie started out as like being a mince meat pie, but now more broadly, it refers to just like a short crust pie or something. I think, like, yeah, I think it can be sweet, maybe or savory. Okay. Ugh, God, I don't know. Maybe it is all meat. This is why I, I don't remember. Sure, bad at naming it, but no, mince meat pie is not actually meat, right? It's like sweet. We learned this on the baking show. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to freaking look this up now. We have right, to. Let me let me click on my link. <laughs> I got my link references here, just in case you had follow-up questions. <laughs> such a little curious, George. Yeah, it's mincemeat is one word. And I'm pretty sure it's like raisins and stuff, which they also don't call raisins. Okay, according to the BBC Glossary of Food Terms, mince pies once contained meat, thus the common term mincemeat. However, today mince pies hold a spicy preserve of dried and candied fruit like apples, prunes, currants, and raisins that are steeped in brandy or rum. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So, okay. So it is sweet. It's a sweet pie. So they're giving Santa mincemeat soaked in brandy and rum and a little bit of sherry, and then he's going to be... <laughs> plaster no, by the it's, time it's he not gets to meat <laughs> it's not meat soaked in rum <laughs> no i know sorry fruit. fruit soaked in rum i didn't yeah. mean it was meat we just established that <laughs> okay, my brain's not sorry. that mushy <laughs> i don't know why i thought you literally thought it was meat again okay but no you nailed that one <laughs> thanks governor <laughs> okay um number two loosely based on southern italian tradition many italian americans celebrate christmas eve with which of the following numerically significant meals a, the night of the nine cannoli. Mm -hmm. B, now you don't know which one's fake, so don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> B, the vigil of five sauces. C, the feast of the seven fishes. Or D, the day of the 12 apostas. <laughs> apostas. <laughs> like, like apostles, you get it? Like apostles, yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the 12 apostas. <laughs> well, I know it's not that one. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're having fun. Uh, I can't really imagine having seven fishes. That just seems like a lot of fishes. Uh, what was the first one again? The Night of the Nine Cannoli. I laughed at that one, but it does sound delicious. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the uh, second one, the five sauces. The Vigil of Five Sauces? Yeah. It's the Feast of the Seven Fishes. No way, really? Absolutely, yeah. Um, this is based on old like Roman Catholic tradition of fasting on Christmas Eve, which <laughs> apparently fasting to them just meant not eating meat products. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Italians are, are like, you know, Roman Catholics of the time ate fish. So fish has become associated very much for Italians and Italian-Americans with uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, and so okay. the Feast of the Seven Fishes is sort of like it's sort of like an Americanized version, like of that tradition. Like, I guess people in Italy don't really do that. They eat f fish, but they don't, you know, have a name for it and stuff. But yeah, it's just like this massive meal of like a bunch of fish dishes. Like between seven and twelve is what I read is like oh, generally yeah. the rule. Yeah, so it's okay. just like a fish bonanza, and dude, it sounds yeah. good as hell too when you read like the list of stuff. 
That does sound really good. That's not what I would think of for fasting at all. <laughs> like, no, I know it's a hilarious a idea for Italian piece. fasting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that sounds great. So yeah, far, maybe it was I'm a... just. I'm going to say I will choose Italian holidays over UK holidays. <laughs> oh, hell so yeah. So far. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Fish mm -hmm. bonanza? Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Number three. In Chile, Christmas is the perfect time for a cola de mono, a drink of aguardiente, milk, sugar, coffee, and cloves, whose name translates to what? I know there's a lot of words there, but basically what I'm asking is the name of this drink, cola de mono, translates to what? A, Tale of the Monkey, B, Call of the River, C, Rhythm of the Briefcase, or D, <laughs> Vomit of the Mountain. I wish you couldn't see my face when I'm reading some of these. <laughs> you can't help but smile. What of the briefcase? <laughs> Rhythm of the Briefcase. Rhythm of the Briefcase. That sounds like the name of a like busker band or something on the Ooh, yeah, I like it. On the street, yeah. Um Oh boy. Okay, wait, what was the last one again? Vomit of the Mountain. No. Oh. That's the one you wanted to hear again. <laughs> no, it's only it's only because I was still laughing in the briefcase one that I didn't hear it. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna go with the second one. Call of the River? Yeah. Damn, I got you with that one too. It's Tail of the Monkey. Dang it. <laughs> Mono is monkey. Apparently cola is tail. I really gotta remember that a lot of these, I feel like you choose them because the real answer is very funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to build a world around that where <laughs> one or two is less ridiculous and one or two is more ridiculous. Exactly. Which yeah. is why it's hard. You have like a goofy starting point and then they kind of go in either direction of goofiness. So All that's right. the ideal setup. They don't always skew to that. But um, yeah. Why is this I just called real... Tale of the Monkey? Or do you know? Why is it called? Oh, my gosh. I read the history of it. It was kind of confusing. It's like, you know, generations of things being like mutated and stuff and it was a little hard to follow but um sure let me it's find a game it of quick. historic telephone yeah and there's like a few different um explanations like oh I, I guess so the drink was generally like homemade and it was originally bottled in bottles whose labels were from the company anis del mono so it was kind of just like happenstance you know there's nothing about the drink that necessarily screams monkey tail, <laughs> but it happened to be bottled um, by these home brewers or, you know, home mixologists or whatever in this specific kind of bottle. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. I like it. I like the name. Oh, wait. The more accepted theory, however, is related to President Pedro Mont, nicknamed El Mono Mont or Monkey Mont. <laughs> <laughs> El Mono Mont. During an evening party, Mont prepared to leave and asked for his revolver, a Colt. He was convinced to stay and continue on with the festivities. After all of the wine was drunk and the guests still thirsty for more mixed milk, coffee, aguardiente, and sugar. Uh, yeah, within time, the drink gained popularity and was dubbed Colt de Mont, eventually morphing into Cola de Mono. Okay, that's confusing. That was wow. a lot. All right. Uh, and, and anyone who's wondering, aguardiente is um, just kind of like a broad Spanish term for like hard liquor distilled from all sorts of different stuff. Mm, okay, I was curious about that. Yeah, I didn't want to leave that. Okay. <laughs> Number four. Uh -huh. Which of the following is not a traditional Danish Christmas food? Mm. Now, these pronunciations are going to be guesses at best. So bear with me. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> I'm going to need to zoom in face. on these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to zoom in because, you know, Danish has the letters that are like 
molded together. Oh, <laughs> like sure. Like the AE hybrid. It's hard to even read the words sometimes. Gosh, how do you okay. say that? Um, well, I'm about to guess. <laughs> Fleskesteg. <laughs> That's A. A is Fleskesteg. Fleskesteg. B is Abelskiver. Abelskiver. Oh, I do know what that Remember, is. Remember, which of the following is not a traditional Danish Christmas food? I thought you might know that one. Okay. C, Hulebrig. 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 These are really fun. <laughs> or D, It's that one, right? <laughs> Did you just try not to laugh? Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen is actually a Danish actor. Yeah. He was in Casino Royale and Hannibal. Uh, I do like that you tried to put some some flavor on it, though, so I wouldn't notice. Tried to really (laughs) smush it up so you wouldn't know. You really Danishified it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's wonderful. Do you want to play a little little sub game where you guess what each of these is? Each of the first three? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what they actually are in English, and you tell me what what it translate like. Which one is which? Okay. Uh, I think I understand. Okay. Okay. So fried balls of batter, usually filled with jelly. Abel and then, a, oh, sorry, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> no, you can go ahead since I know you okay. knew that one. So well, the other two at, are um, Thanksgiving when I went to our cousin's husband's family's home. Whoa! Really? Yeah, they made apple skewers for. That rules. It was great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What's that little um, California town where you can go and get them? Solvang? Solvang. Yes. That's why I know Able Skeeters. I've had them there. It's a fun little drive if you're in Southern California. Um, Okay. So the other two are there's a roast pork dish and there's a Danish Christmas beer, and you have to choose which is which. Fleischgesteg, Julebrig. Fleischgesteg. Is that the beer? Mm -mm. Oh. What is that it's one? It's Julebrig. Fleischgesteg is the roast pork. <laughs> uh, that's that's great. Those are so yeah, fun. Fun stuff. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> a tough quiz, I got to admit. Not a lot to go on with some of these answers. Okay. <clears throat> which of the following, number five, which of the following fried Hanukkah dishes sounds most delicious to me? You may ask me <laughs> one yes or no question for each. I do not know how this is going to work, but let's give it a shot. Okay. This is really my quizzing my knowledge of you and your preferences okay i know that's what i like to do (laughs) it's my quiz it's about me (laughs) a i will tell you the country of origin or where it's or where it's eaten most and i will tell you the name of the dish Uh uh kibit yatkin eaten mostly by jews in syria kibit yatkin that's a Uh b is gulab jamun which is typically eaten in india uh by jewish people celebrating hanukkah C is cassola, eaten in Italy. D, sufganiya, um, uh, popular in, in Israel uh, by way of, of Polish Jews. It was introduced, uh, I believe, by Polish Jewish people. I don't know why I have trouble saying the word Jews. <laughs> that is <laughs> no, a joke in 30 Rock where they're like, are you allowed to call pe- Jewish people Jews? And I don't know why it sounds odd. No, I understand. It's completely I guess it's... fine and a normal way to describe it. Yeah, something. but it has been used by people. Who... That's the sad thing about it is, yeah, it's like when you say it, the taste you're left with in your mouth is like when people use it hatefully. So anyway. Yeah, it sounds hateful. Okay. So I'm trying to guess which one sounds best to you based solely on the name of these dishes. Yep. <laughs> and you can ask me a yes or no question. I honestly don't know if this is a functional question or not. But... Oh, gosh. Go ahead. What do you got? Uh, 
Or you can just take a stab at it. I mean, yeah, the only one I can really remember is the Casolet one. Oh, Casola, yeah, Italy. Casola? It sounds like Casolet, which is a thing that I feel like I learned that word from you. So that's why I'm, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I'm going on. All right. You're going for that one. You (laughs) know what? That's a pretty good guess. And this is definitely second. This is definitely number two. Mm -hmm. Casola is a ricotta cheese latke, somewhat similar to cheesecake. But the one that sounds best has got to be Sufganiya, which is uh, the Israeli one that the Polish people introduced, which is a round donut injected with jam or custard. Yum. Yeah. That does sound best. Yeah, you're right. Kibbit Yatkin from Syria is our latke-like patties made from pumpkin and bulgur wheat. And gulab yamun or jamun is, uh, this is like a, this is an Indian dessert that you, you know, you find outside of Hanukkah plenty. Like you find this at Indian restaurants. It's fried dough balls soaked in sweet syrup. Ooh, and I've had it and I'm not a fan. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) good to know. Okay. Number six, our final question. Uh, This is only tangentially related to uh, holiday food. There is a food called white Christmas in Australia. That's like a bunch of fruits and nuts and like rice krispies mixed with like hydrogenated coconut fat or something Hmm, and uh so this question is i don't know a lot about australian food i'm just realizing it sounds like a weird (laughs) mashup of uk food and rice krispies it might be yeah it doesn't look good and it doesn't sound good but it's uh it's it's popular in australia and new zealand um i believe so what are rice krispies cereal known as in australia and new zealand oh i do love australian slang though (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm about to do this in the accent too. I'm just trying to prep it. <laughs> oh, crikey. A, Royce Bubbles. Royce Bubbles, okay. B, Crispy Nibblers. Crispy Nibblers. <laughs> C, Pop Pebbles. Pop Pebbles, okay. D, Bitty Bungle Boppers. <laughs> no. Or E, Kitchy Wobble Cobble Doozles. <laughs> Damn, I wish I got that in one take. That honestly sounds like... It- could be the right answer because <laughs> Australian slang is nutso. I know. That's why I had so much fun with this one. Oh my gosh. That's a wonderful. Um, okay. What were the first two again? <laughs> Royce Bubbles is A and B, Crispy Nibblers. <laughs> Pop Pebbles, Bitty Bungle Boppers, Kitchy Wobble Cobble Doozles. TikTok, Kitchy. mate. We, getting, we haven't got all that. <laughs> Kitchy Wobble Cobble. What? <laughs> anyway. Kitchy Wobble Cobble Doozles. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm gonna say the first one. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It's I rice bubbles. It. Rice bubbles. That's not yeah. a rice bubble. This is a rice bubble. <laughs> oh man, that's great. This is yeah. This one does not follow the format of, of <laughs> more and less ridiculous because this one just proceeds. It's an clearly. accurate description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I love it. Rice bubbles. It's so true. Oh man, good job, Australians. Yeah. Um, Boy, this has been a really fun tour of, I just want to go eat in all the different countries during the holidays. Maybe that's what we should do next holiday season. <laughs> Dude, it was really fun looking Screw at a Wikipedia list of like, yeah. yeah, holiday foods throughout the world. Uh, that's it. Points don't matter, of course. There's no reason to go back and see how many you got right. <laughs> Let's not even try to guess. We all had fun. We're all winners. Especially you, listeners, if you made it this far. <laughs> yeah. Boy, some real rough accents in today's show. Oh, I, yeah, I was going to try and do it again, but 
<laughs> yeah, that was sad hearing you <laughs> gear up for it and then give up in one word. I couldn't think of anything else to say in an Australian accent. That's fine. Uh, All right. Well, time for the most graceful part of the show every time, which is our dismount and goodbye. <laughs> I'm looking at the notes to figure out if we've settled on any. <laughs> well, yeah. we do not have a standard goodbye. We don't have a standard goodbye or sign off, and we probably never will. So see you next time. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. Chewing sounds. sounds.